Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. Are your joints painful? Do you suffer from daily discomfort? As it stands today, chronic pain affects more Americans than diabetes, heart disease, and cancer combined. In fact, chronic pain is the number one reason Americans enter the healthcare system today. However, many people believe their only option for pain relief is found in drugstore options, such as ibuprofen, Advil, and Tylenol, to name a few. Tragically, most people are unaware that these pain meds do more harm than good. Common side effects include headaches, liver and kidney issues, high blood pressure, and in rare cases, even death. Not to mention, they're just masking your pain, giving you temporary relief. While this may sound all doom and gloom, I do have good news. There is an all-natural solution that addresses the root cause of your discomfort, a real solution that allows you to get back to being you. And that solution is called curcumin gold, made by my friends at Purality Health. Curcumin gold contains turmeric curcumin extract, vegan omega-3s, particularly DHA, which is a very long chain omega-3, and it has ginger oil. These carefully selected ingredients support healthy joint function and address the root cause of inflammation within your body. Trust me when I say you won't find anything else on the market quite like this. In fact, my friends over at Purality Health have a patented formula that utilizes something called micelle liposomal technology, which delivers the nutrients into your bloodstream, proven to be 800% more efficient than traditional uh, supplement doses. Even better, it's backed by a 180-day money-back guarantee. And today, we have a 30% off coupon for you. Just visit PurityHealth.com and use the coupon DRJ or Dr. J to access 30% off today. So again, that's PurityHealth.com. Use the coupon code DRJ, so Dr. J, to access 30% off today. On this podcast, I'm being interviewed by my friend, Dr. Peter Kahn, and we talk about the top strategies to improve vagal tone for better digestive health. As you'll learn in this podcast, your vagus nerve is actually the largest nerve in your body, runs from your brain down into your digestive tract. It's very important for moving feces through your bowels. So peristaltic action, very important for production of digestive juices, stomach acid, bile, pancreatic enzymes. And when you have poor vagal tone, you're not, you're not going to digest your food effectively, which could lead to cramping, bloating, acid reflux, uh, constipation, diarrhea, a whole number of different digestive issues. And I go through that in detail in this interview. And so I think you guys are going to get a lot out of it. And Dr. Khan has a vagus nerve and immunity masterclass. And I have a link in the show notes that you can check that out. But it's going to be an amazing event, the vagus nerve and immunity masterclass. So go to drjockers.com. Look at the show notes for this podcast here. 
and you will find out more information about that. Dr. Peter Kahn has been a guest. I've, I've interviewed him many times. He is incredibly knowledgeable and all of his master classes and different events. I mean, they're so in depth and easy to understand. And I really enjoy speaking with Dr. Khan and also learning from him as well. And so I think you guys will love his masterclass. So check that out. And if you've not left us a five-star review, now's the time to do that. When you leave us reviews, it helps us reach more people and impact more lives with this message. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave us a review. And let's go into the show. Welcome back to the Vegas Nerf Masterclass. This is your host, Dr. Peter Khan. And today, I am super excited to be interviewing a great friend of mine and colleague, Dr. David Jockers. Now, Dr. Jocker is a doctor of natural medicine and specializes in functional nutrition and natural health strategies. He's the founder of Exodus Health Center in Kennesaw, Georgia, and drjockers.com, a website designed to empower people with science-based solutions to improve their lives. DrJockers.com has gotten over a million monthly page views and is considered one of the most well-researched and easy-to-read health websites in the world. Dr. Jocker's work, work has been published in various popular media outlets, including ABC, Fox News, Hallmark Channel, Home and Family, and The Dr. Oz Show. Dr. Jockers also hosts a popular Dr. Jockers Functional Nutrition Podcast. Welcome, David. Dr. Khan, always great to be on with you and excited about this topic with the vagus nerve. Yeah, absolutely. It's such an important topic. And I think one of the main key things that a lot of people are probably somewhat aware of is how vagus nerve impact digestion. But today we're going to go much deeper here and really kind of help people to really connect the dots between the nuances of vagus nerve and how that impacts the rest of the body. So, uh, David, talk to us about, you know, where vagus nerve function comes in when it comes to digestion. Start at the top. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm sure you know you've you've discussed this in the past, but cranial, but vagus nerve is cranial nerve number ten. It vagus is Latin for wanderer, so it travels from the brainstem down through you know cardiovascular system and then into the digestive system, stomach, all the intestines. And when it comes to digestion, it really helps activate digestion. So it helps activate the production of digestive juices. So we're talking about things like saliva, stomach acid bile and pancreatic enzymes. And so it's so key that we get the good digestive juice flow. And so the vagus activation helps with that. And then on top of that, it also activates something we call peristalsis, which is the motor movement or the muscle contractions of the intestines that helps move food and wastes through. So that way we can expel, you know, the, 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 the waste from the food that we're consuming. So vagus is critical. And you know, we think about digestion in the functional nutrition world, we always say we are what we eat. But really, if we go deeper with that, we are what we digest and absorb, right? Because we can eat the best food, but if we don't, if we're not producing the digestive juices properly and we don't have a healthy microbiome, we're not going to absorb food effectively. We're not going to absorb the nutrients effectively. We're going to have a lot of toxins being released into our bloodstream that are driving up inflammation. So healthy food choices are very critical, but having a really good functioning vagal tone and, and digestive function is, is absolutely critical for our overall health and well-being. So what would be some of the signs and symptoms people might notice about poor vagus nerve function as it relates to digestion? For sure. Well, a couple of things would be things like acid reflux, 
belching, burping, gas, constipation, diarrhea, bloating. These are all symptoms that we're not digesting our food effectively and we're not producing the proper amount of digestive juices and getting the right muscle movement in the gut. So when I start with it, you know, initially when we eat food, obviously we're producing saliva and that's kind of the, the, the initial part. And of course we're chewing and that's the initial part of digestion. And then the food gets down into our stomach and normally at rest, when we think about the pH of the stomach at rest between meals, our stomach pH is usually around three to 3.5. Now, neutral, a neutral pH is seven. So your typical tap water, it's going to be about seven pH. That's neutral. It's actually very, you know, very acidic to be in this three to 3.5 range. However, to digest food effectively, particularly harder to digest proteins, think about like a, like a steak or something like that. We need to get the stomach acid from that, that stomach pH environment from three to 3.5 down to around 1.5 to 2.2. So that's a big drop and that's very energy demanding. So it takes a lot of energy in order to produce the stomach acid to get it like that. Now, normally if we're at rest, our digestive system is healthy and we're just kind of taking our time eating our food. Our body has no problem doing that. However, if, if we're stressed, if we have poor vagal tone, if we're eating on the go for stress while we're eating, if we have compromised digestive function because of perhaps infections, toxins, um, you know, a number, whole wide, wide range of things, if we've overburdened our system, then we're not going to be able to utilize the energy. We're not going to get the energy into our digestive system to produce that acid. Now, the key with the acid is the acid sterilizes the food. So whenever we eat, we are, we're always going to have bacteria and different microbes coming in. The acid helps to sterilize and kill off a lot of those microbes. And then on top of that, it helps to break down proteins and starts the digestive process of those proteins. And it helps us absorb nutrients like, like major minerals, iron, magnesium, calcium, zinc, very critical for that, as well as vitamin B12. It activates when our acid gets real strong the way it should be. We activate a protein called intrinsic factor that helps us digest and absorb vitamin B12. So B12 deficiencies. So whenever you, know, you and I are looking at labs and we see somebody who eats meat, eats B12 rich foods, but yet their B12 is low, that tells us, okay, this person's not absorbing B12. And so obviously that's, that's a big factor. That's, that's one of the issues there. So anyways, the acids are helping us absorb these nutrients and then the partially digested food. So once the acid does its job, partially digests the food, it activates the opening of the pyloric sphincter, which is the little muscle that helps basically keep food in the stomach. Now, as that opens, the food starts to move into the small intestine. The pre-digested food, we call it bolus. So we get this acidic bolus moving from the stomach into the small intestine where it activates certain receptors because the small intestine needs an alkaline environment. So we have this very acidic bolus. It activates these receptors. And what's going to now alkalize the environment? Well, bile, which is released, which is produced by the liver, and released by the liver, but also stored in the gallbladder. And when we have you know, a good amount of food, we're, the, our gallbladder contracts. And this is, again, vagal nerve activity, right? Vagus nerve is an important component of activating and contracting 
that gallbladder so it pushes out the bile to help emulsify fats, right? We know bile helps digest fats, but on top of that, it also alkalizes the proximal part of the small intestine. And so now we create more of an alkaline environment. And then it also triggers the pancreas to produce bicarbonate, which is very alkaline. And that creates this alkaline environment in the small intestine. That, that is important because we're going to digest and break down certain nutrients more effectively in an alkaline environment in the small intestine. And it also helps to get rid of the acid-loving microbes that survived in the stomach, right? So the stomach acid doesn't kill everything. And we want to sterilize that food. And that helps us control what's coming into our system. And if we're not producing the bile and the pancreatic enzymes and the bicarbonate effectively, we can have an overgrowth of certain types of bacteria that shouldn't shouldn't be overgrown in the small intestine. So again, vagal nerve activity is critical for the production of the bicarbonate as well as the digestive enzymes in the pancreas. And so again, it all starts with that proper stomach acid production, which then triggers the release of the bile and the pancreatic enzymes. So again, the vagus is critical for producing the stomach acid, for triggering the contract the contractile release of the bile as well as the production of the bile in the liver and the gallbladder. And then the release of digestive enzymes and the bicarbonate from the pancreas so we can actually digest, break down, and absorb the nutrients. And then, of course, it also helps with the muscle contractions in the intestines to help move the food along so it gets through the system where, again, we can break down and digest the food effectively and get the nutrients that we need out of it. Right. And it works as a sequence. One triggers the other. And so sometimes people have gallbladder symptoms or they have pancreatic enzyme deficiency symptoms. And if we trace the roots back, we might find that these people often has stomach acid deficiencies that may be caused by a vagus nerve problem that ended up some, you know, with symptoms further downstream. So it's really important to understand that and, and be able to look through all these pieces that may be contributing to that. So that's a great point that you brought up. Now, kind of further down the GI tract then, you know, we hear a lot about the, the gut-brain connection or the, the brain-gut connection, how the, you know, the brain and the, the gut microbiome is kind of is intimately connected. Does the vagus nerve exert any influence on that or would the gut microbiome have any effect on the vagus nerve as far as what you see in the literature or research? For sure. And, you know, the vagus nerve is a bi-directional communication pathway between the brain and the gut, right? So we call the gut the second brain and the gut produces all these different neurotransmitters, many of the same neurotransmitters that we produce in the brain into higher quantities as well, things like serotonin, dopamines produced in the gut and the communication pathway, right? In a sense, almost like the highway, right? That connects them is the vagus nerve. And so it's a direct communication process. And the vagus is constantly talking from the brainstem down into the gut, communicating to the gut. And then there's messages being released by, for example, the microbiome, by the major organ systems, back through the vagus up to the brain, communicating about what's going on in the gut environment. So good health is about optimal communication. It's kind of like, think about like in a sports team, right? If you're playing a team sport, football or something like that, everybody needs to know the play, right? They do the huddle. They need to know the play. Sometimes they got to create audibles, right? If there's people on the team that don't know the play, 
you're not going to execute effectively. And so it's kind of the same thing. The vagus needs good communication with what's going on in the gut and the microbiome and vice versa, right? There's got to be this optimal communication pathway. And when you have poor vagal tone, it's like you're not getting the messages properly. So it's almost like the, the volume on your computer as you're listening to this is so low. You're like, well, what did they say? What did they say? I can't come. I know somebody's talking. I just don't know what's going on. That's kind of what's happening when you have poor vagal tone. The proper messages are not, not being communicated uh, you know, with the right intensity or perhaps you know, too much intensity. And therefore, the messages are not being relayed effectively. And now you're not going to have effective digestive processes. Yeah, it, the, the nervous system's design is an input-output system in, in an arc. So, you know, uh, the problem can come with the afferent, which is signal coming from the gut and from the environment through the vagus nerve into the brain. So we talked about the gut microbiome producing various signaling molecules to stimulate the vagus nerve to let the, vag to let the brain know what's going on in the gut. At the same token, you can have a problem downstream from the vagus to the gut causing issues. So this is something that we want to you know, then investigating people who have symptoms. I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about this amazing product called Joint Support by Pure Health Research. If you're out there and you're struggling with stiff or aching joints, and you're tired of letting that discomfort steal the joy and freedom from your life, you've got to try Joint Support. It contains seven of Mother Nature's best superfoods for supporting comfortable, healthy, and flexible joints and it even promotes healthy cartilage growth too. Now, all it takes is one small capsule of joint support every day to start feeling the positive effects on your joint health. And as a listener of our show, you can try joint support risk-free today and get a free 30-day supply of omega-3 when you take advantage of this special offer. It can promote healthy joint lubrication, making it easier to move in comfort. You're also gonna get two free eBooks so you can learn more about joint health. Just head over to getjointhelp.com forward slash jockers. That's getjointhelp.com forward slash jockers. G-E-T-J-O-I-N-T-H-E-L-P.com forward slash J-O-C-K-E-R-S. And that will order joint support and claim your free bottle of omega-3 while supplies last. Again, that's getjointhelp.com dot com forward slash jockers now speaking of clinical problems when we when people have decreased vagus nerve output and that results in decreased digestive capacity you mentioned some of the symptoms um how often do you see people develop things like you know gut dysbiosis and and SIBO and and, and candida overgrowth because of lack of ability for them to effectively either have motility or have proper stomach secretions to be able to kill pathogens. Yeah, I mean, it's really common. In fact, just about everybody that has chronic inflammatory condition, like if you're not thriving in life, most likely there's some sort of dysfunction going on with your digestive system. If you're noticing on a regular basis, fatigue, brain fog, anxiety, depression, just even going out of the digestive system. You know, we talked about cramping, bloating, all these types of things, constipation, diarrhea, for sure that, you know, and most people relate that to that, to some sort of dysfunction with, with the gut, but really almost every chronic inflammatory condition, you're having skin conditions, you're having thyroid issues, trouble losing weight. We really have to look at what's happening there in the communication process between the brain and the gut and see what's taking place. And more than likely there's some sort of dysfunction, uh, you know, at the root. 
And so super critical and, you know, making sure we get that optimal stomach acid. We talked about that as, as, you know, a really critical factor, making sure that we're getting the right muscle contractions, moving the food through the intestines, you know, one area, and sometimes, you know, this, this tends to be more common in, in females than males, but is you have a lot of people with ileocecal valve dysfunction, which is this little valve in between the small intestine and the large intestine. And so it's designed to help keep bacteria from the large intestine from getting into the small intestine. This is important because your small intestine is not supposed to have a lot of bacteria. You're, 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 you're loaded with bacteria. You have um, you know, just trillions and trillions of bacteria in the large intestine, but you want less bacteria, more like in the billions, in the small intestine. And what happens is, when the ileocecal valve is opened up, you get this translocation of bacteria from the large intestine to the small intestine. Well, the vagal, your vagal tone plays a big role in keeping that ileocecal valve with good tone and, and, and contracted. Now, for some women, they may have had you know, complications during pregnancy you know, just pregnancy itself, obviously create laxity and stretch that area. Sometimes they've had surgeries like a cesarean section that can interrupt or, or create more dysfunction in that region. But really optimal vagal tone is one of the key strategies for helping improve what's happening there with that ileocecal valve. And a lot of people will end up with an overgrowth of bacteria in their small intestine or you know other, other dysfunctional types of microbes like candida, like you mentioned, because they don't have the tone and they have dysfunction there with the ileocecal valve. So sometimes an ileocecal valve massage can actually get in there, right? And it's kind of right around where your appendix is, right? And appendix surgery also is, is a major contributor to ileocecal valve dysfunction as well. Um, but getting in there with your hand and kind of just manually activating that oftentimes can play a big role, like laying on your, on your stomach and then just getting in and manually activating it. And there's videos on YouTube. I know I have a, a popular video on YouTube on ileocecal valve massage, and that helps. And on top of that, when you're manually massaging it, it's actually input into the vagal, uh, into the vagus nerve, right? And I know you talk a lot about you got to get activation, right? And so there's different things you can do, right, to activate, like sing, right, and and um, gargle and stuff like that. But actually, manually getting in there too helps to activate that that vagal nerve as well, and helps to move things along. And so a lot of times people are dealing with constipation; they have this or bloating. Um, they have poor, poor activity, poor tone in the ileocecal valve. So that's just one area that you can look at. Um, but you know, again, going back to, to the whole dynamics, stomach acid, bile production, pancreatic enzymes, all really, really critical. So if you're seeing, like if you're having stools and you're seeing food not digested properly, or your stool is floating it's like extra stinky. Obviously, you know, all feces stinks, but if it's like just extra stinky, okay, that's lasting. It's like you go to the bathroom and then you come back a half hour later and it's like, you could just still smell it. That's a sign that you're not breaking down, metabolizing the food effectively. Okay. So again, got to go back to looking at the digestive juices. How well are you producing that stomach acid, bile, pancreatic enzymes, um, what kind of bacteria are in there? When food sits in your gut for a while, it starts to ferment and putrefy. And that putrefication will cause more of a, a stench in the, in, the, um, 
in the bowel movements and the feces. And the, the stench is coming from oftentimes from uh, toxic metabolites. Now, it's good that you're getting rid of them better in the bathroom than, than sitting around your body. However, there's a good chance that some of those metabolites have seeped out into the, into the bloodstream, right? And are driving up inflammatory pathways in your body as well. So clearly, we want to have good uh, bowel rhythms, good digestive rhythms. I always recommend moving your bowels at least once or twice in the morning. Between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. is when your colon is most active. That's when you actually get the most peristaltic activity is going to be between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. and then also right after meals. So you're going to eat a meal. Obviously, your digestive system goes to work a little bit, starts moving things through. So people with healthy bowel rhythms are usually moving their bowels once or twice in the morning, getting, you know, clearing things out. And then oftentimes, you know, after lunch or like after kind of a midday meal, they will also move their bowels. Usually your bowels will really slow down in the evening. It's kind of part of your circadian rhythm. They're more active earlier in the day, slow down in the evening. Um, if you're noticing it kind of the opposite, and that's an unusual pattern as well. Um, you know, I always say, as long as you're clearing out, that's, that's better than not clearing out. But you want to get it to where your rhythm is that early morning, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., moving your bowels once or twice, really clearing out a lot. And then perhaps also, if you haven't cleared out enough, you know, after, after kind of your midday meal, um, having another bowel movement right there to really clear everything out. You want to move all the waste from your previous day, in a sense, within a 24-hour period. So if I finished lunch at, let's say, uh, two o'clock yesterday, I'd want to have all the waste from that lunch out of my system by you know, two o'clock today, ideally. Otherwise, it's going to sit in there and putrefy and rot and release a lot more, a uh, lot more toxins, and also create a, a a a higher microbial load. As long as food is sitting there, you know, we all have, you know, we know that the microbiome is healthy, and we need to have a diverse microbiome, and we need to have, um, you know, a, a a lot of microbial species inside of our system. However, our immune system is always trying to keep the microbial load under a certain threshold. When it goes above that threshold, it drives up more inflammatory activity in the body. So when we move our bowels, we are moving, I mean, trillions of bacteria out of our system. In fact, so, some experts have said, when you wake up in the morning, before you move your bowels, you're more bacterial, you have more bacterial cells than human cells. And then you move your bowels and you're more human than bacterial, right? And so it's like, we need to keep things in check and moving our bowels is one of the key ways that we keep that microbial threshold. You know, again, it goes above that threshold, drives up inflammatory activity, amplifies inflammation. We keep it below that threshold. Now we get healthy function, right? Healthy, optimal function in our system. So moving our bowels really keeps us under that threshold and keeps us healthy and keeps our inflammatory levels down. That's great. Now, throughout this masterclass, we have talked about different ways to uh, stimulate the vagus nerve, but you were talking about, hey, it's ideal to move the bowels first thing in the morning, and then by noontime, we can have another one. So what are your recommendations to specifically alter the timing of when you go to the mm. bathroom? Yeah, it's a really good question. Well, obviously, good sleep will help, right? Good sleep, good sleep habits, very helpful. Um, you know, trying to, trying to avoid blue light late at night, 
So blue light blocking glasses, dim your lights, things like that. All the, the great sleep hygiene principles I know you teach, I teach, super important, trying to get a really good night's sleep. And then in the morning, you wake up and you hydrate your body really well. See, overnight, we actually dehydrate our body because we're losing water vapor as we breathe. So we wake up in the morning, we're all to some degree dehydrated. And so it's a great time to drink water. And in particular, to activate the vagus nerve, warm water works really well. And then you can also add in things that are more tart or astringent or pungent, that sort of flavor, things like lemon, like lemon water or ginger tea, um, some sort of herbal tea, the astringent kind of bitter or pungent types of flavors tend to activate the vagal, you get more activation of the vagal tone. And so drinking some sort of herbal tea, again, lemon water, warm lemon water, another great strategy. That warm water along with the pungency or the, the, the bitterness will help to activate the, the vagus. And then if you're able to tolerate it, if you have you know, good caffeine metabolism, coffee itself actually will help to activate peristalsis in the gut as well. A lot of people are like, hey, that drink cup of coffee, that really helps me go and, and stay regular. So that can be really, really helpful as well. Um, but you want to make sure, you know, obviously when you're drinking anything caffeinated, that has a little bit of a dehydrating effect. So you want to make sure you're also drinking water outside of that, right? Outside of just the coffee, hydrate your body. I always recommend before you even consider eating anything, you should drink 16 to 24 ounces of water. Um, it could be warm water, could be, you know, room temperature water. Um, but Drink that before you even think about eating. That's going to fill and distend your stomach. And that act, that distension of the stomach will activate ghrelin, which is your hunger hormone. And then, well, I'm sorry, it will inhibit ghrelin, right? So when your stomach has nothing in it, ghrelin is released and it might tell you I'm hungry. When ghrelin is inhibited, you lose the hunger, but you're still getting the peristaltic activity because your body's got to move that water through. So you start to activate the intestines and that helps you really clear out. Also for some people, their body position really matters too. For some people at getting out and walking in the morning really helps them move their bowels. For other people, that slows it down. They need to like sit down or even sit down in a certain position. I remember when I had irritable bowel, I would struggle with, um, you know, a lot of times of constipation. I noticed that when I sat on my knees, right? So I would like sit at my desk on my knees, right? And I would be reading the Bible or reading something but it was just like the act of sitting on my knees for whatever reason that helped everything just kind of loosen up and help me move my bowels. Now, fortunately I'm healthy. I, you know, I haven't done that in 10, 12 years, but back in the day, I just noticed, I felt like I was able to clear out more effectively when I would just sit, I would sit basically on my knees. Um, and that helped. I know for my wife, she likes to sit sit down on a chair. She reads the Bible in the morning and she's like, I got to be put perfectly still. And that's when I feel like I'm able to, you know, uh, you know, my body's able to get the bowel movement ready. Right. So it's like, everybody might have a different rhythm. I know a lot of people will say getting out and walking, one of the best things, right? So find what works best for you. Okay. For some people it's deep breathing, meditating, right. That activates vagal tone. So find what works best for you. What, what typically doesn't work well is like exercising at a high intensity. I usually recommend if, if you want to do that, Get your bowel movements out first, right? Before you do that, because that's parent, that's sympathetic tone. So that's fight or flight. It also doesn't help if you rush out of your bed, 
alarm clocks blaring. You're like, oh, I'm so busy. I got to go, you know, I got to get, get out of here and go to work, right? That's not going to be a conducive environment as well for helping you move your bowels. But those other things really help. Supplement-wise, magnesium can be really helpful. Magnesium is a key mineral. Vagus nerve loves magnesium, helps reset its natural electromagnetic or its, its electrical tone. Magnesium is very important for that. And um, also very important for, for helping stimulate natural peristalsis in the gut. So taking magnesium at night can help you sleep better and move your bowels better in the morning. For some people, they also like to take it in the morning to help with that, um, which is great. So that would be like my top supplement there. And um, again, ileocecal valve massage for some people, again, like I talked about, that can also be very, very helpful. Love it. Those are great tips. I, I think the uh, the ileocecal valve massage is kind of underlooked. You know, we tend to want to stimulate a vagus nerve from, you know, our throat area. Mm -hmm. And certainly that that can work as well. But visceral manipulation, manipulating yeah. the viscera, especially of the digestive organ, can create that afferent response to, to the vagus nerve. And then I, I really like the uh, the coffee idea, using astringents and bitters. I think that that all works well. Exercise is, again, very underrated. Most people are just not doing enough exercise and uh, just my moving the body. That's very helpful. I, I find it interesting, the position uh, you're saying, you know, uh, sitting on the knees. Uh, yeah. I wonder if people who do, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the primitive squatting position where you just kind of, you know, in a squat all the way down on the ground, if that might help someone to create, I mean, you know, basically you're sitting in a position that definitely, you know, like, you go like to the bathroom, right? Yeah. Just even stretching for some people, stretching, doing kind of like yoga poses and stuff like that really helps them. So the movement pattern should all be low intensity to help you get your, your bowels moving. So if you go out and you take a walk for most people, that's, that's low intensity and that gets your body moving and, and it doesn't inhibit vagal tone. And then also stretching or doing like, you know, some, some yoga type, type poses, things like that, um, low intensity. But if you're going in, you're lifting weights, you're running sprints, high intensity, that's going to reduce your vagal tone. So I would wait till after you've cleared your bowels before doing anything like that. Makes great sense. That was great information pack. As you all, as always, Dr. Jockers, you come through uh, with flying colors. Please uh, let our audience know how they can find out more about your education and, and opportunity to learn from you. For sure. Well, you can find me, my website's drjockers.com. And of course, I'm on social media, YouTube, Dr. David Jockers, my podcast, Dr. Jockers Functional Nutrition Podcast, uh, Instagram, you know, all of that. And I appreciate you putting out this great information, Dr. Khan. Always a, always a privilege and honor to, to speak with you. All right. Thank you so much. And everybody, uh, find Dr. Jockers online and, and learn from what he has to say. Thank you so much. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.